Delano's Top of the Week. Corin is there. Good morning. Good morning. How, How are, you, are you? Well, I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm also fine, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, there's lots to chat about, and most of it is about COP26. Um, so, there's been so much that's been happening. I've seen so many headlines. It's very hard to sort of keep a, a, any of it all together in one place. Well, what has happened? So, the second week of COP26 has uh, just kicked off. Mm-hmm. Um And so far, uh, countries have reached agreements to end deforestation by 2030 and reduce methane emissions by 30% also by 2030. Mm -hmm. Those are some of the sort of big agreements that have come out of it. Um, In another agreement, 190 countries pledged to phase out coal by 2030 uh, for richer countries and 2040 for poorer countries. Um, And kind of in a sign that richer countries are helping others transition to clean energy. South Africa, for example, will receive around 7.3 billion euros to phase out coal faster um, in a deal with the EU, France, Germany, the UK and the US. Mm-hmm. And so those are some of the kind of key elements. But as you said, there is there is a lot going on and there are a lot of um, protests as well, a lot of things happening at the same time. Um, but this, these are some of the sort of good things to have happened so far. Right. And what have we got to look forward to this week? What's going to What's on the agenda? So this week, um, there are more sessions on uh, kind of climate adaptation, mm-hmm. um, also gender equality and climate action, which has become kind of a growing um, focus, saying that, you know, women uh, need to be involved in the clean energy transition and cannot mm-hmm. be left behind in this, and also how they can contribute. There are also sessions on science and innovation, transport, um, where actually the Luxembourg Transport Minister, Francois Bausch, he will take part in a panel um, this week on uh, sustainable mobility. Um, and then the final day of negotiations is scheduled for the 12th of November. And if we if we look back at kind of 2016, at the end of COP21, there was the big Paris agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're now kind of waiting to see um, what kind of agreement, whether there will be a sort of big final deal that they reach, because the goal of this climate um, summit is to secure sort of global net zero emissions by mid-century right. and keep that 1.5 uh, degree um, global warming Threshold within thing. reach, yeah. exactly. So, I mean, all of that sounds quite good, but it's not all good news. It hasn't been working out. Not everyone has been signing up to everything, right? So China, for example, has been um, markedly absent so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also didn't sign up, for example, to this methane pledge. Neither did Russia and China, which are obviously sort of the big emitters um, in the world. And India. And India, yeah. And um, so it's hoped that they will do so at a later stage. But you know, of this gathering, or um, or later in time. Okay. Um, but and generally, there are also questions of whether these pledges will actually be enough. Um, so there was a commentator. I, I have to admit, I, I forgot the name, um, who said that it's not really so much about the quantity of the pledges, but about the quality of them and whether they will actually be. Um, you know, be implemented. And there's this um, group sure. called... Are, are, are these just sort of easy things to say? You know, they're they're pushing the can quite far down the road, as a texter just sent in a text saying, uh, man announces he'll quit drinking by 2050. I saw you this. Know, this? <laughs> <laughs> I saw this sort of spoof. Uh, you know, you can make a pledge that's sort of so far in the future, but if, we, if you don't char- start changing things now, then, sure. um, you know, in by sort of 2029, we'll be like, oh... We haven't actually reduced our emissions by what we were supposed to yeah, in so one year's uh, time. So are they backed um, up by sort of hard plans and 
roadmaps on how to get there and how to do these things? Well, because those are things that then have to also be decided at national level. Mm. Uh, so across the EU, countries had to submit what's called a nation, national energy and climate plan. Um, and uh, Luxembourg has submitted its plan. It has sort of set some uh, sector-wide um, targets on how to reduce emissions. Um, but there is this this group called the Paris Equity Check, and they sort of do the math on the impact of the reduction um, that have been pledged. Um, and so, for example, the EU has made this pledge that it would cut emissions by 55% by 2030. Um, but according to the Paris Equity Check, that would still result in global warming of 2.3 degrees by mid- by 2100, um, which is well above sure. the 1.5 degree target. Um, and so, and, and there have been also these kinds of gaffes, you know, the Prime Minister of the UK sort of traveling to London from, yeah, by, from Glasgow by private jets and um, all of these other, you know, world leaders and business people arriving by private jet, mm-hmm. um, which obviously begs the question, you know, why are we doing this climate summit if um, you're just yeah. not changing your habits either? Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned countries having to do things themselves. What, where, where, where does Luxembourg fit into this? Uh, so in terms of the, the sort of COP26, um, there was a Luxembourg delegation in Glasgow, um, including the Prime Minister, um, the Environment Minister, Carol Dishbush, um, the Transport Minister, as already said, he's there this week, and also um, Finance Minister Pierre Gramegna. And I think that's that was one of the other big announcements, because they had this thing called Finance Day, um, where um, the UK Chancellor Rishi Sunak, he announced that 450 firms had unlocked 130 trillion US dollars of private capital to fund um, the sort of green transition, mm-hmm. um, which on paper sounds great. But again, there were questions around the fact that while this means that sort of private firms will be funding the transition, um, there aren't really many pledges or requirements for them to also stop funding fossil fuels at the same time. Um, And this is something where Luxembourg has this sort of sustainable finance strategy, uh, which it launched earlier this year and aims to also sort of crowd in the financial sector. Um, For example, providing support um, for people to carry out kind of um, climate scenario analyses, establishing what their carbon footprint is, um, how they can reduce it. Um, But there's no clear goals. There's no like by X X year you have to reduce your emissions by X amount. Yeah, that seems a little bit vague and wishy-washy. So there are, so Greenpeace, for example, um, has said that, you know, the strategy is kind of toothless because it doesn't have any obligations. um, And they've also just sort of slammed it as as greenwashing. Um, But then there's also, on the other hand, there are questions like how much can the government intervene here and actually obligate companies to, um, to go green? Well, I guess we'll watch that space and see what happens on a wider European level. Maybe that could change things. Um, Prime Minister Bettel gave a speech at the World Leaders Summit on the 1st of November. What did he say? I mean, there wasn't much new, dare I say it. Um, I mean, Luxembourg has already, you know, we we have a climate law where uh, Luxembourg has pledged to reduce emissions by 55% by so 2030. Pledge. In line with the EU goals as well, mm. although Luxembourg had sort of set this goal when the EU was still at 50%, so for a okay. while there we were um, kind of ahead of the curve. Um, but what is also interesting and what maybe sets Luxembourg apart a bit is that it is consistently pushing an anti-nuclear agenda mm. um, as part of climate discussions, because nuclear energy is sometimes seen as a sort of clean, low emissions alternative also in the EU. I mean, where the pro-nuclear camp, for example, includes um, France, Finland. um, And 
some countries have already pledged to phase it out, like Belgium and Germany. Um, but nuclear power plants still produce around a quarter of the EU's electricity. Mm. And just in October, France and um, nine other EU countries sent a letter br- to Brussels saying that nuclear should be um, considered a green source of energy. Um, so that they invest more in, in nuclear, is that right? And that it would be kind of considered part of these like energy and climate plans that they have to submit. Also part of this um, green taxonomy, um, because the EU is, in, in terms of the sustainable finance um, drive in a way, they have started labeling uh, financial products so that to avoid greenwashing and for to ensure that money actually gets funneled into green projects. Mm-hmm. But then it becomes a question of what do you label as green um, or not green? And if you if you label nuclear energy as green, that means that you know financial products investing in nuclear energy are then also um, considered green. Um, and Luxembourg has been very much against this. Um, and that was something that, that Xavier Bettel also stressed in the speech that he gave at, at COP26. Uh, well, the final day of negotiations, as you said, the 12th of November, that's next Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, or this Friday. Um, so maybe next week we can get, we'll, we'll have a better idea and we can do another roundup about what actually happened and what was discussed and perhaps signed. Uh, what else is coming up this week? Um, well, sort of in keeping with the theme, <laughs> mm-hmm. there is an exhibition called Let's Make the Climate Cool Again, um, which opens tomorrow, so on the 9th of November at the Kulturhaus in Niederanven. Um, it's art by um, Ben Carter, who's a UK artist, but he's been in Luxembourg for a long time. Um, sure. and people will probably know his works. He's done lots of sort of prints and things like that of Luxembourg scenes. He did stamps a couple of years back. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, this new piece features lots of penguins, I believe. Yeah, penguins and sort of ice and uh, all of this kind of... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, climate related. Some fish as well, fish and plastic. They're really good. Um, the, fish, the, the fish bottles are, are, are fantastic. Yeah. They're really good. Um, so that kicks off tomorrow. Cool. So that's a culture house in Niederanven starting tomorrow. And then what's on the 10th that I see there? Um, so there is a Brazilian musician, Cessa, who will perform at the Culture Fabrique in Estoralzet. Um, that's on the 10th. Uh, it starts at 7 30. And um, he's, uh, as I already said, he's from Brazil and he has been described as sort of very, um, very stripped back, minimalist, um, sort of jazz, soul music. Mm-hmm. And the Luxembourg Science Festival is on at Neumünster and Naturmusee. Yes, and that is a bit of a family event, I would say, because mm-hmm. uh, there's lots of kind of workshops and shows and um, thing, ways in which you can discover science. Um, and that's from Thursday the 11th to the 14th. And um, yeah, you can pop down to Neumünster and the Naturmuseum. They're kind of right next to each other. So you can go from one to the other. It's a COVID check event. Mm-hmm. Um, for some stuff, it's recommended that you um, book tickets in advance um, for some of the shows. Otherwise, there's loads of workshops. And um, yeah. Nice one. And uh, every week with T- Delano's Top of the Week, there's also a tip. Sometimes it's music, sometimes it's film, sometimes it's a TV show. What's it this week? I'm recommending a book. Okay. Um, it's called uh, Conversations on Love, and it kind of delivers exactly what it says. <laughs> um, so the author, um, Natasha Lunn, she um, had conversations about love with different people, mm-hmm. um, other authors. Um, Alain de Botton, for example, who uh, a few years ago wrote a very uh, interesting essay on um, why we inevitably end up marrying the wrong person. <laughs> um, okay. um, so, but she also spoke to sort of psychologists, therapists, um, and I'm not normally one to uh, like these sort of like sort of personal essay, self-help, help, self-help mm-hmm. style books. But this one really has something different because she speaks to all of these different people, and it's kind of about how to find love, sustain love, um, but also looking at different kinds of love and 
looking at whether we've maybe focused too much on romantic love and what friendship and family um, contribute to our lives. And it's just an interesting, yeah, I just I found it very sort of heartwarming. Uh, so on a, as, as the weather gets colder, you can uh, nice. <laughs> um, have something for your heart. So that's Conversations on Love by Natasha Lunn. Exactly. Nice one. Uh, thanks so much, Cordula. Thanks. And, uh, and we'll see you next time, perhaps. Or one of my colleagues. We'll see. Or one of your colleagues. We'll see. <laughs> but thanks for having me. Thanks. See you next time.